Episode 24 of The Hilo, the weekly news and pop culture podcast brought to you by journalists Pandora Sykes and Dolly Alderton. Who sounds a little bit like Rod Stewart today. Be careful what you wish for because last week I wished for a hacking cough and I was granted it. Why did you wish for that? Because last week I was saying that it was sad that I felt so ill but it was so up in the glands because it meant I didn't have any symptoms that would give me any sympathy. Now I do. Now you've got the hacking cough. <laughs> so anyway, sorry about that. What have you been up to this week, Pandy? I've been enjoying lots of things, actually. I mean, this is the the joy of being home all the time now, <laughs> <laughs> is I'm discovering quite a lot. So I started watching, which came out last year, but I never watched it then because it was on Amazon Prime and I didn't have Amazon Prime. So I've actually just bought it for like £19 from Google Play. The Girlfriend Experience. Oh, yeah. Which is a series by... Um, how do I pronounce that director's name? Is it Steven Soderbergh? Soderbergh? Oh, dear. What do you think, DJ CJ? Soderbergh. Okay, so um, Steven S- Soderbergh, and it stars... <laughs> um Charlie's like, you know, Carol Vorderman, when they check what the... When they look up... He, is, he looks quite like Carol Vorderman, actually, as well. <laughs> Anyway, The Girlfriend Experience. So The Girlfriend Experience stars Riley Keough, who is Elvis Presley's great-granddaughter, I think. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. And it's about a law student who becomes an escort. Um, You've watched some of it as well, haven't you? Yeah, I power-watched an episode this morning on your recommendation. What do you think? I mean, it's so beautifully shot. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something more sitcom I think I think the title makes no, no, it sound it's quite more irreverent than it is it's actually kind of slick the tone is quite dark I really like it I think it's really glamorous it's really sexy I'm definitely going to carry on watching it it gets so much darker the it's only, very sexually charged the only thing oh my god there's so yeah I mean she's you see her having sex with every single one of her most of the time quite old and fat clients mm. um, the only thing that I thought was slightly predictable is that, and I feel like you often see this in those roles because it's only assumed that these women could be an escort and be okay with it, is that she has no friends mm-hmm. and she is completely emotionless. At one point she asks someone if she's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I think... It's kind it's of lazy characterisation. Well, it's just not particularly groundbreaking to see women like that occupying sort of an unemotional space because mm. she has no discernible emotions of her own. Mm. But maybe that's why it works. If Although it was me or you in the title role, everyone would be like, oh, for God's sake, stop pontificating and just get down to it. <laughs> Way too much toing and froing. She just ring the client. Um, yeah, I I really liked, and it was not. I was not expecting it, because I think I was expecting more of a sort of Zoe Deschanel new girl thing. Yeah, I know, you definitely I I was really surprised. I watched it like 8am this morning. The bit that I found that really got me into it was, uh, this is going to make it sound like a pervert, that's because I am, Um, is the sex scene in which she goes over to that guy in the club and says, I want to fuck you, and then takes him home. Yes, I know, and she's so buttoned up, like, as in... Mm. uh, Sartorially. I just, I really enjoy watching female sexuality like that because it wasn't it wasn't um cartoonized in that kind of samantha jones way it was just someone who had specific desires and kinks and the confidence to ask for them and we don't really see women having sex on their terms like that that often Mm. on screen and it was all about sort of her Mm. pleasure so i i really enjoyed i was really hooked from the moment i watched that scene i think i'm on about episode seven now and i think there's 12 or 13 and i'm hoping to see some kind of emotional arc with her I'm hoping to see like any yeah. kind of moment where we see her thinking about the situation she's in, or yeah, because, because otherwise that is slightly misogynistic characterisation, isn't it? That that this person can't be emotionally complex; that she can only be perhaps a victim of patriarchy. I don't know. She absolutely loved making that series. I remember reading a lot, and she felt like it was a very it was from a very feminist space, and mm. they spoke to so many escorts when she was making it mm. um, she said she found it really interesting and it made her look at things really differently I just yeah I haven't uh, she's a really good actress but I just haven't necessarily seen that totally reflected yet so that's the girlfriend experience check it out if you're looking for a new series but not if you're looking for a new new girl 
And now I've started reading The Power by Naomi Alderman, which won the Bailey's Prize for fiction. Dolly, can you read that, please, so that we can talk about it? Not necessarily on this show, but, you know. I will do. Just so that I have something to talk to you about. Jesus. <laughs> More things I've been enjoying this week. There is a big memer on Instagram called Tank Sinatra. Do you follow him? No. You'd like him. Do you follow, like, Fuck Jerry and Fat Jewish? Yeah, I love those. Yeah, Beige so cardigan. Tank Sinatra was one of them. Anyway, he starts an account called Tank's Good News. Um, oh, you, you, I do follow him Do I now. keep adding you and stuff? You tagged me, and it's such a joyful thing to be Did greeted with. Did I tag you with. in a picture of all the paws? No, you tagged me in... I think it might have been the news story about the black American man who was luring people away from the KKK by befriending them. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even remember reading that. They're so... It's, like, uplifting. It's an amazing... Yeah, he, his theory was, I just, you know, I just want to... Everyone needs some good vibes, as you're only going to find good vibes on this account. And it has garnered such a following. It's so you lovely. you just can't fall that. Yeah, he tweets pictures of... Um, there was one of a farmer rescuing two children during the hurricane. There was a picture, I think, that I just tagged my husband in of just loads and loads of sets of fluffy paws, you know, to help sort of ease you into your day. Oh, you said that's in your saved, and I did the same. I put it in my little flag I put it in my save to look at it. And then there was another one, I think, of this sort of toddler and a baby lying on a rug together, and the toddler didn't have any arms, and he was still feeding yeah, his little brother lovely. and it said who needs arms to take care of I mean it's just so lovely honestly if you really really want to get something positive out of your Instagram which you don't always follow Tank's Good News and it does make a real difference I think when you go onto your feed just to be just to see something lovely reminded of the good in humanity or just something funny or something sweet it's lovely absolutely I agree with that I read an amazing um, column by Mariela Frostrup. She has a column on the back page of the Observer magazine for anyone that doesn't know, and she is absolutely one of my favourite writers. I'm not one for reading advice columns, Mm. but I am completely addicted to her advice column. At the time of recording this, she had 1,800 comments and over 7,500 shares, which is huge for a, a piece of advice. And I just wanted to read a tiny bit of it which I loved. So this was the dilemma. I have huge anger at my brother's wife for her actions, which I feel are directly responsible for my nephew being handicapped. Um, I won't go into all the details. The home birth went terribly wrong. My nephew has been permanently damaged. It's a tragedy of almost Shakespearean proportions. It's caused major rifts. My heart is breaking and I feel my nephew was exposed to severe parental negligence and I can't get past my anger over it. And Mariella replies... Those are very serious accusations. You appear unusually animated about what is an extremely personal matter, probably none of your business, and a miscalculation rather than a crime. Pontificating about the affairs of others is nothing new to yours truly, but at a certain juncture, one does have to recognise that people have a right to make their own mistakes. And it just goes on, and it's so... What I love about her as well and her advice is she never hedges her bets. She never goes, I think, or in Mm. my opinion. She Mm. absolutely shoots from the hip and I thought reading when I first read that I was like what can she say because she is so strong I thought what can she say back to that that's going to be you know in her in her sort of normal way I was really intrigued to see what she could reply and I love that she focused on our sort of obsession with analysing how other people live their lives and she said, we spend a lot of time vicariously living other people's lives these days, whether it's the Kardashians or celebrities in the jungle, giving us an unrealistic sense of our connection to strangers. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so interesting. And, true. and also feeds into, you know, a larger conversation that is happening at the moment. And thank God it's happening at the moment about controlling the birth stories of women. Yeah, controlling the narrative around birth. Natasha Perlman, who's the editor of Grazia, wrote a piece that had everyone talking on, on my social media yeah, feeds this weekend uh, for the Saturday Times about her unbelievably traumatic birthing experience. And she doesn't do it to scaremonger, but what she, she the reason she tells it is she said that she had this adamant obsession with natural birth because of the conversations around natural birth. And I just think it's so good that women are talking about this stuff now. I think yeah. it's so good. There's a lot about there's certainly a lot about it now. On a lighter note, um, have you seen what the Victoria's Secret angels have been wearing to the Victoria's Secret auditions? No. So they've been happening this week. Please Google it. It's like they're off to a sex party. They're going to auditions. But because it's Victoria's Secret, they've all had these massive blow dries. 
And they're dressed in crop tops and see-through tops and cut-off, like, body shorts and fringed leather jackets and little boots. And it's just the most hilarious thing you've ever seen because it's the middle of the day and they're walking in and out of this completely... What are they auditioning inauspicious for? ...to see who will be in the show this year. Oh, I thought they only used the qualified angels. No, no, you have to, you have to do audition every year. Uh-huh. So your Stella Mac- Maxwell's and who else? Sort of well, the there. big. I thought you meant like a bloody open call, like no, no, uh, no. It's not an open call. <laughs> no, no, no. This is what's so funny is it's like it's like all of the really, really top models auditioning, oh. quote unquote. It's just a sort of PR stunt, but it's like oh, the ridiculous. middle of the day in New York in this like really kind of greyish building, and they're wearing these mentally sort of strumpety outfits strumpety strumpety outfits gave you the audition so if you want another light pick me up google Victoria's Secret auditions if you'd like another light pick me up may I direct you to the story um, regarding Dennis Rodman and his new friendship with Kim Jong-un what? he's been talking about his new friendship with him and in response to the where question where has he been talking about it? he was talking about it on Good Morning Britain on Wednesday I've got to start watching morning television you have to start watching it I've got to, start, to start watching, watching morning it. TV I've got so many great things so um, he's asked you know how did you become friends with the leader of North Korea <laughs> and how do you hope that you can influence his like fucking mad dictatorship he loves basketball and uh, I think that's the key for anything in the world basketball and music I think that that's a great connection for anyone in the world, <clears throat> but uh, uh, so happened, it has to be me. Dolly, Google it to watch the whole interview. It's the thing totally is, it does mental. make total sense to go from basketball to celebrity big brother to friendship with a dictator. I think. What does Kim Jong Un get out of it? I don't know. I don't think Dennis Robbins got many cool points anymore. <laughs> he's not he's once like married so to Carmen so Electra. <laughs> and then my last, also on Great Morning Britain, thing that really entertained me this week is um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, who seems to be getting a hell of a lot of airtime in silly season, as he calls it. Although <laughs> silly season is now over in September, so we must stop. But Jacob Rees-Mogg, who, for those of you who don't know, he's the Tory MP famously with six children who's never changed a nappy um, and lots of people think that he might become the next Tory leader but he says that's complete crap he's a backbencher but anyway he is the poshest man I've ever heard and on Good Morning Britain he says um, there's this bit where he just goes you know and some chap in Rotherham got Mog tattooed on his chest which is very generous of him <laughs> DJ CJ has just interjected in the way any DJ CJ can with some random piece of historical factual knowledge that Jacob Rees-Mogg was actually interviewed by Ali G in the early noughties about being posh. Do you think we can find that clip? What do you think makes a girl upper class? We're exactly the same thing that makes a man upper class. But is it things like she spits into a hanky? Um, I don't think spitting into one's handkerchief is widely regarded as a symbol of membership of the upper class. What Uh, if someone is so rich they have a swimming pool? Would they be (laughs) in the upper class? Um, No, no, I think there's a bizarre definition of, of, of class. I was out recently and people started talking about what your Jacob Rees Mogg name is. So apparently it's your name plus the surname of your history and English teacher hyphenated and the last home county you visited. (laughs) So mine would be Dolly Wheaton Cox, Oxfordshire. (laughs) Be better if it was Wheaton Cox. Wheaton Cox. (laughs) So if you want to do your Jacob Rees-Mogg name... Please tweet them in. Dolly will be tweeting instructions <laughs> on how to follow this very sophisticated game. Dolly, what about you? What have you been consuming this week? Oh, I haven't been consuming that much because I um, birthdayed myself and then <laughs> I was a bridesmaid uh, over the weekend at my friend's Lou and Nick's wedding and they are now off in Hawaii and I can only hope listening to the podcast on their sun lounger so hello if you're listening and if you don't get in touch to say thank you then I know you don't listen um <laughs> and, game that. Uh, but I'd have I did watch I found myself a couple of nights ago with like two three hours before bed where I didn't have to do work and I didn't have to do admin so I was like I really want to sink my teeth into a really juicy documentary so I requested on Twitter what a kind of recent good one was and everyone was talking about Nick Broomfield's documentary Can I Be Me which is about um, Whitney Houston um, which is on iPlayer currently 
and it's a really, really powerful, really, really good documentary. Great. It's um, Nick Broomfield's one of my favourite documentary makers. He's done two really powerful documentaries on Eileen Wernos. Um, <gasps> How have I not heard of him? I'm obsessed with Eileen. He's Wernos. also like this is by the by. Charlize Theron's best work. He's, it's his first one is good. His second one is brilliant, and he forms a relationship with her. I think I might have watched that. That's a hundred percent ringing a bell. They're really, really good. He's I think he's the best documentary maker of our time. Also, by the by, he's also um, one of my desert island crushes. Let's get um, him on the high low. He's so <laughs> sexy. Um, but he's very, very good. He also did a very good one about Biggie Smalls and Tupac and the death of Biggie Smalls, if you're interested. Yes, great. Yes, yeah, it's really good. Very low budget, very good. So I was really excited to see that he is tackling this, the life of Whitney Houston, obviously a really sad story. Um, and it's just beautifully, beautifully done. It kind of tells three different strands. It tells the story of a very young girl who was very anxious and very insecure and very eager to please and about how she was kind of moulded and her energy was kind of sucked up by people around her, very pushy stage parents, a record label who wanted her to be white-friendly, make her sound less the way he described it. Her manager was less funkadelic, less James Brown, less mm. black, less R&B. How she could sort of whitewash her music and image so that it was more digestible for a white audience and how that really... Um, messed her. with her yeah and like she there's this heartbreaking moment that you see she was so young when she had all those big hits like her debut album I can't remember the exact stats but it had more immediate consecutive number ones of that album I think than the Beatles it was like astonishing kind of baptism of fire and there's this moment where she's at the Soul Train Music Awards which I think is for Black Music in America her face came up when her album was nominated and everyone booed and then a friend of hers said it was moments like that, small moments like that, that she held in her heart that led to the moment of her death. And yeah. it's just really sad. And it's about her, obviously, relationship with Bobby Brown. And they have this like very strange connection, how he led to her self-sabotage. And then there's this extraordinary story of her best friend, who is a woman called Robin, They'd known each other since school. Robin was gay and there was always kind of murky territory of whether they were lovers or not. A lot of people close to them said they were. And Robin was kind of like her keeper, like a kind of angel throughout the whole thing. And she was her manager. And she was the person who always made sure that she was OK. And it's about how Robin ultimately got pushed out of Whitney's world because of her relationship with Bobby Brown. So it's just... To it's, her detriment. Yeah, it shows... It's a beautiful, very sad story and it shows the real essence of a woman who I think was constantly trying to... Well, the title says it, be herself, be me, can she be me? So I recommend everyone watch that. Great. Can I ask my storage thing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm having an absolute nightmare with my iPhone storage at the moment. I only have 800 photos on my phone. I only have Twitter or Instagram. I can't ever have both. I can't have eBay, let alone Uber. Forget it. Had to delete the old um, hormone tracker app. And every time I put my phone on, it says, I've bought new storage, I'm paying £7 a month, it still says I've got no storage. This is a question for the listeners, isn't so it? So if anyone has any advice or they have been through a similar trauma, please get in touch. Do you touch. Should just go to Apple? Just make a genius bar appointment? I could. Don't yeah. go, I can't be bothered, because if you <laughs> care enough, you'll go. <laughs> I could, but I could also just get our listeners to uh, solve it for me. Listeners, if you have any queries, the thing is, is they'll tweet, and then you won't read the tweets. <laughs> I will read the tweets this week. Maybe tweet at Dolly Alderton, and make sure at Pinsykes is nowhere near the storage <laughs> tweets. Support for the Hilo comes from NARS. In this, the first week of September, there is a coolness in the air, the rain is softly falling on cobbles, leaves in the trees are rustling, the bonfires are a-brewing. Yes, it's the beginning of my favourite season, autumn, and it's time to pack away those threadbare summer dresses and pull out the polar necks. It also might be time to seasonally change your makeup bag. So that means out with the golds and shimmers and bronzes and in with the more autumnal cool shades and tones. For example, you might want to ditch the vivacious coral and red lipsticks in favour of something more mysterious. The Audacious Lips Collection are high pigment lipsticks in colours such as Aya, which is a rich chocolate, or Kirit, which is a deep berry purple. 
The Power Matte pigments also offer autumnal shades, such as Under My Thumb, which is burgundy, and Save the Queen in Dusty Mauve. NARS is offering Hilo listeners two deluxe travel-sized freebies when they make a purchase online at narscosmetics.co.uk. Simply type in the code HILO, H-I-L-O-W, at the checkout, and you'll receive a mini audacious mascara and mini velvet matte lip pencil in Dolce Vita, one of their best-selling pinky nude shades. Thank you very much to NARS. It's now time for The Top Line, read by Dolly, Hannah, Alderton. Let's uh, hit us with some tunes, DJ CJ. I am forever searching higher The most powerful Atlantic Ocean hurricane in recorded history has made landfall in the Caribbean islands. The island of Barbuda was the first to be hit by Hurricane Irma with winds of 185 miles per hour early on Wednesday. Diane Abbott was the victim of almost half the abuse directed at women MPs on Twitter during the 2017 election campaign, according to Amnesty International Research. She received 10 times more abuse than any other individual MP in the six weeks before the June 8th vote. The report found that black and Asian female MPs were sent 35% more abusive messages than white MPs. Actress Meghan Markle is on the cover of the new issue of Vanity Fair and, in the accompanying interview, talks about her relationship with Prince Harry for the first time ever. We're two people who are really happy and in love, she said. Personally, I love a great love story. Don't we all, Meghan Markle? Despite the title of his seminal power ballad about rain, it has been revealed that purple was not Prince's favourite colour. It was, in fact, orange. His sister, Tyke Nelson, revealed this while talking to the Evening Standard about an upcoming exhibition of Prince artefacts set to open in London. Sir Martin Neri, joint head of the inquiry into foster care provision, has warned about misleading claims regarding a five-year-old white Christian girl being adopted by Muslim foster parents and that it could deter people from ethnic minorities from offering their services. He said that claims such as she could not eat bacon and was forced to remove her crucifix were unfounded and not based in fact. The girl in question has now been placed back in the care of her grandmother. A man has died at Burning Man Festival after running through security cordons and into a fire. 41-year-old Aaron Joel Mitchell broke through a two-layer security perimeter during the man-burn ceremony in which a giant wooden effigy was set on fire late on Saturday night. We don't know if it was intentional on his part or if it was just kind of induced by drugs. We're not sure of that yet, the sheriff said. The leader of the opposition in New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, has said her party will decriminalise abortion if it wins this month's general election. In a 90-minute televised leaders' debate on Monday night, she stated unequivocally that abortion shouldn't be in the Crimes Act. Mm. Her stance was met with a round of applause and cheering from a 400-strong studio audience. Under New Zealand law, abortion is currently a crime and legal only in cases of incest, mental subnormality or fetal abnormality or where the physical or mental health of the mother would be seriously impacted by having a child. A woman who threw a poo out of her Tinder date's toilet window because it would not flush had to be rescued after she got stuck trying to retrieve it. The amateur gymnast was on a first date with Bristol student Liam Smith when she panicked and threw the faeces out of the window. It did not land in the garden, but became wedged between two non-opening windows. After climbing in headfirst after it, she became wedged, and her date had to call the fire service for help. Prince William and Kate Middleton have announced they're expecting their third baby. The prince has said it's good news, although has also stated they've had an anxious start to the pregnancy. We need Catherine to get over this first bit, and then we can start celebrating, he said. The Duchess had to pull out of a number of engagements due to severe morning sickness. Long-standing vegetarian Jeremy Corbyn is considering turning vegan. The Labour leader became vegetarian after working on a pig farm at age 20 and now grows a lot of his own food in his allotment. He says he's now going through the process of changing his diet because dishes that do not include eggs or milk have improved. And that was the top line. I am forever searching high and low But why does everybody tell me that's every woman's nightmare, isn't it? There are so many of those poo tales that you hear about it. Yeah, but it's dates. not like it would be bad enough if she got caught chucking the poo out the window, but the fact that she got stuck trying to rescue her poo, the poo became wedged and then so doth she. What's so strange about the story, the sort of 11th hour narrative twist, is that the BBC picked up the story because of 
a crowdfund, like a fundraiser page pertaining to the story that well, happened on campus. What were they raising money for? I don't her, know. Her, to get her over her embarrassment? I don't know. To send her to Mauritius to get over it? <laughs> so she can Which transfer to enough. another university. I'd give, I'd give her a fiver for that. I would as well. Um, do you know what? I do feel, I'm not surprised at all that Prince William and Kate are having a third baby because they are so... You can so imagine them having three children. You could sort of. I think. I think they'll have a really big family. I think they'll just have three. I think they'll have four. No, because they are literally governed by like royal predictions. Like you know how they're already saying that it's going to be called Alice or I can't remember something else, and it will be like one of those names. Like they are so by the book. Mm. But my God, I feel for her with her severe morning sickness. I think it's called like hypodermis gravidarium or something. Yeah, yeah. She's sick twenty times a day. I mean, it's completely. (sighs) Thank God that she's got the money and the resources to just rest. Mm. All I will say is I do not need another press release about her extreme morning sickness. I received three this morning. If you are considering writing a story about Kate Middleton's extreme morning sickness, why in God's name would I be writing a story about Kate Middleton's extreme morning sickness? And what could I say beyond Kate Middleton has extreme morning sickness? It's, it's very compelling. The world we live in. I can't believe that about New Zealand as well. I did not realise that I so had backward. no idea, yeah. I mean, so many places, aren't there, all over the world. Um, good for Prince, though. Orange is a strong colour. <laughs> it is the new black. <laughs> On to Oxford University, where the Vice-Chancellor, Louise Richardson, has caused controversy this week while speaking at the Times Higher Education World Academic Summit. She said that it is not her job to stop homophobia. I've had many conversations with students who say they don't feel comfortable because their professor has expressed views against homosexuality. They don't feel comfortable being in class with someone with those views. And I say, I'm sorry, but my job isn't to make you feel comfortable. Education is not about being comfortable. I'm interested in making you uncomfortable. If you don't like his views, you challenge them, engage with them and figure how a smart person can have views like that. Work out how you can persuade him to change his mind. It is difficult, but it is absolutely what we have to do. Dolly, I'm so keen to hear your thoughts thoughts on Louise Richardson's comments. It's so funny that this should come up now because last night I was listening to a really powerful episode of Guys We Fucked, um, which is a podcast that Pandora and I um, both really like. Um, It's the latest episode and it's about this very topic. It's about the ethics of censorship and the power and democratic right of freedom of speech. And it's an episode featuring an interview with an expert in this field called Professor Nadine Strossen, who's the former ACLU president. And it all comes off the back of this one incident that happened this week with one of the co-hosts, Corinne Fisher, who's a comedian. Um, She tells a story in the intro of how she pulled out of a comedy festival um, because the women's magazine that sponsored the festival said she wasn't allowed to make any jokes that were about body negativity. So both you and I have interviewed those the hosts of the show Christina and Corinne and we know that one of their founding philosophies is that they're very very anti-mollycoddling they believe we've entered into a kind of safe space age where people infantilize themselves by believing that they are not equipped or that they don't have the strength to hear opinions that differ to them or offend them and just like the vice chancellor in question they believe this hinders our kind of collective education and it distorts reality I'm really grateful for the podcast and particularly this episode for opening my eyes more to this discussion because I think before I started thinking about the democratic power of freedom of speech, I would have been someone who immediately disagreed with this woman and thought, no, it is your responsibility to shield young people away from views of prejudice. But something Nadine Strossen said on the episode last night really stuck with me. She said, education is the antithesis of comfort. And she was like, since when is being comfortable all the time the most important thing above all else? She then also goes on to talk about when freedom of speech is different to bullying or hate, which is obviously a completely different thing. But the reality is racism, sexism, homophobia, it still exists. Look what happened in Charlottesville, you know, just a few weeks ago. And I do think giving people of authority a platform to express those views is, of course, wrong, which is where I disagree with the vice chancellor. And also using those people to draw in readers or viewers in a magazine or a paper like a Katie Hopkins or whatever um, to sell ad space or to gain viewers. Again, fundamentally, I think that's irresponsible and wrong. But I do think we're in very dangerous territory when we don't allow anyone to express any thought because it makes us upset or uncomfortable. 
That's so interesting. I'll definitely check that episode out. That's such a good line. Education is the antithesis of comfort. Mm. I think that's why I make you feel really uncomfortable, Dolly, because I'm educating you. <laughs> so this obviously isn't the first time that there's been controversy over safe spaces in universities, and it certainly won't be the last. For instance, earlier this year, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee was criticised in January for letting the alt-right political commentator, putting it politely, Milo Yiannopoulos, onto the stage where he harassed a trans student named Adelaide Kramer. And in fact, this has happened at numerous universities with Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, That's an extreme example of a safe space being eroded or invaded. Louise Richardson's been fairly condemned for these comments. Um, But I think safe spaces is a really interesting thing for someone like her to talk about and Mm. I like you am really interested in the concept of safe spaces instantly I fucking hate that phrase I think at some point someone's going to do some millennial parody show at Edinburgh Fringe called Safe Spaces and Avocados because it (laughs) is such a it's too laden now with kind of connotations Yeah, yeah But I was disappointed at um, Louise Richardson's missed opportunity because she sort of bypassed that responsibility and instead she went for that quite tired narrative of the snowflake, which is obviously right in the millennial jugular. Instead of arguing that she cannot shield her students from homophobia across the world, which in essence is completely true, no one can shield you from that, she you know, said that if gay students had experienced homophobia from their professors, then it was their problem to navigate and that essentially it was up to them to change their professors' minds. And I disagree with that. Yeah. I think, Louise, that's your problem mm-hmm. to hire and fire accordingly. You can't have any bigots there. It's Oxford, for God's sake. Um, you know, they're meant to be the best. So there's protection, which I don't agree with. It's not her role to protect students. But then there's pastoral care. Mm. And I think that actually that comes into the latter of pastoral care. Yeah, I completely agree. It's entirely unacceptable to have people in positions of authority or influence holding those views and expressing them publicly. And that is the university's job to control that. But I'm not sure where I stand on no platforming on campus. Mm. It's something I think about a lot and I'm still not sure where where I'm at with it. Something Nadine Strossen brings up in the discussion is that free speech is the most effective and authentic way of ensuring a fair and just future, which I think is really interesting and I hadn't really thought about before. And she argues that by allowing the kind of hate-fueled, irrational, moronic, unfounded views of certain individuals to be given a space to be aired without a kind of fanfare, that that is the quickest way to expose them for what they are rather than censoring them which kind of allows them to be victimized and also in a way sort of creates a mythical sensationalist whirlwind around them i also want to reference here and don't worry this will be the first and probably last time i ever reference rod little (laughs) i was not expecting that i was expecting like jill soloway or something no uh, on this podcast he wrote i really do not align myself with rod little um but he wrote this piece for the sunday times a while back about free speech on campus and how astonished he was that the real radical thinkers of his time, such as um, Jermaine Greer or even Julie Bindle or Mary Beard, indeed, had not been allowed to speak at universities. Mm. So we'll put the link um, to the Sunday Times piece. But I'd just like to quote from it. He said, The student activists do not wish to hear anything at all that conflicts with their views or even hear anything that does not conflict with their views but allows for the fact that there might be conflicting views. They wish to remain in a state of pristine delusion, insulated from any possible attempt at contradiction. They will not be argued with. And then he went on to interview Mary Beard and she said, Something in the world has gone barking mad. They've gone bonkers. It's very, very weird. The world has gone upside down. It's meant to be the young who are risk takers and the elderly more worried about controversy. And I must say, as I said, I'm still really trying to work out where I stand on it, but increasingly I do see both sides as very valid. I read the piece about Louise Richardson when I had just finished um, watching, sorry, here it comes again, Good Morning Britain. My God. Where the LGBTQ plus editor of BuzzFeed got into a row with Piers Morgan um, because they had let a man come onto the show who claims to be able to cure... Um, homosexuality Mm. and the BuzzFeed editor said you shouldn't be giving these people an airspace and Piers Morgan said and I have to say I really agreed yes but in having these people on to this platform which lots of people watch 
we have the opportunity to debunk what they are saying, to expose mm. the fallacy of their bigotry. Mm. Anyway, they got into an argument where the um, BuzzFeed, I love live television, where the BuzzFeed editor said, the thing is, Piers, you used to be a journalist and now you're just a narcissist. And you saw you saw him and Susanna just wow. bought. And Piers Morgan said in riposte, which I, I have to say I do get, I am I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what he said. He said something like, the problem with you new liberals is that you cannot hear the opposing side of the coin. And I have to say, I really agree with that particular sentiment that a lot of the time now being really liberal or left thinking, etc., means that you do not have time, not just time, but like you cannot allow the knowledge that there are views that you disagree with. And that mm. does worry me. And it is something I see encouragingly. And, and it's counterproductive. It's really counterproductive. You can't progress without it. And... So, I think that we shouldn't be isolated in a vacuum of our own views and universities more than anywhere should not be a vacuum and they should challenge. Not only because the real world is full of challenges. You can't just shut down ideologies or conversations that you do not agree with. Um, you can't do it in the real world, so why would you do it at university? And it's why people talk a lot about the social media echo chamber because we all just follow people with the same opinions as ourselves and it's dangerous well that's another tip actually I picked up off um, Guys We Fucked see you're the spokesperson for Good Morning Britain I'm the spokesperson for Guys We Fucked yeah, this episode yeah who sounds cooler out of that <laughs> Um, but there's, in the first episode that they did with John Ronson, they've done two really good John Ronson interviews. He says we should all be following people who don't share the yeah, same yeah, opinions as us. Yeah, I agree with him. Because otherwise we're sort of being fantasists in the interests of comfort or self-protection or supposed safety yeah. and to get a full picture of the injustices of this world and to fight them effectively yes. and accordingly we have to expose ourselves to uncomfortable truths. That said it is madness that it's even considered okay for a professor to verbalise any homophobic views to his or mm -hmm. her students and I don't mean hold those views because no one can be criticised about views they hold, it's expressing them um, you know, if you don't verbalise them, no one's ever going to know them. But if, they, if they're verbalised, that's something quite different. I think Louise Richardson trying to defend the teachers who may do that is an indefensible defence. Yeah, and it's it's. I think it's rather dangerous for her to to have that positioning on it, particularly when in education, even higher education, these people are meant to be informing you of fundamental truths, and that should be helping form your world view. I think it's a real shame that Louise Richardson's comments have come mired in controversy because of that one um, ill-advised point she made because she did make some really valid comments um, and I wish she hadn't said that one bloody thing because now the rest of it gets really overlooked but at its nub I think there's something really interesting this paternalistic idea that we should be shielded from the more odious things in life and I completely understand how she made LGBTQ plus students feel with these comments she's essentially disregarding their safety in an institution that they've mm. probably worked their nuts yes, off to get exactly. into yes exactly yeah but I do think we have to be careful about shutting down opposing views, as you say. It comes back to the issue of no platforming and where you draw the line. So Milo Yiannopoulos and his gay faggot tour, clearly not worth a platform. Yeah. But, for instance, there have been many instances where safe spaces have, in my opinion, elected to create an unrealistic university ecosystem. For example, in February, the University of Strathclyde Student Association banned a pro-life student group from organising on campus, using their facilities or expressing their opinions. Now, that's just unrealistic. That's not what the world looks like. There are pro-life groups everywhere. It's not illegal. America's Senate is full of pro-lifers. Mm -hmm. you know, do I wish it wasn't? Yes, but should they be banned from universities because of this? No, university's the perfect time to learn that the world is a nasty place. But all that said, that doesn't mean you should ever feel unsafe in your classroom. And I do think that's where Louise Richardson was wrong. Yeah, you should feel uncomfortable and challenged, I think is fine. But unsafe, you should never feel. The Hilo is sponsored by Sainsbury's Home. Sainsbury's Home prides itself on delivering great quality design-led products at very nice prices, aka high quality design at high street prices. Sainsbury's Home has a dedicated in-house design team of 14 and 80% of Sainsbury's Home product is designed by the in-house creative team. For 
autumn, the Sainsbury's home team have taken inspiration from the great British countryside, from the interiors of inner city boutique hotels and cocktail lounges. Authentic design is at the heart of how the 14 in-house designers create their exclusive prints and palettes, and this season each trend has a signature fragrance blended exclusively for Sainsbury's home to evoke all the warmth and comfort and spice of winter. So the ranges available this September are Nordic Skies, inspired by the Nordic scenery and lifestyle, this muted tone theme exudes contemporary style, embossed textures and soft accenting of colours in materials such as wood, mercury, glass and grey faux fur. Renaissance Boutique indulge in the glamour and grandeur of the 1920s with stylish home accessories, geometric patterns and opulent skilled craftsmanship. Then you have Woodland Walk, which captures the tones and textures of an autumnal country walk, creating cosy living space with warm aubergine and mulberry colours used across chunky knits and pattern textiles. The Sainsbury's in-house design team have created a unique narrative of a woodland scene with hair figures in rich brass metallic finish and an exclusive fragrance of applewood and clove. Enjoy all of those. There is something for everyone. Thank you very much to Sainsbury's Home. L'Oreal has sacked its first transgender model, Munro Bergdorf, just five days after announcing that she was their new face of one of its campaigns. The sacking happened as a result of the model posting a statement on Facebook in which she reacted to the recent white supremacist rally in Charlottesville. Honestly, I don't have the energy to talk about racial violence of white people anymore. Yes, all white people, she wrote in a post on her Facebook page, which has since been deleted following a number of complaints. Because most of you all don't even realise or refuse to acknowledge that your existence, privilege and success as a race is built on the backs, blood and death of people of colour. Your entire existence is drenched in racism, from microaggressions to terrorism. You guys built the blueprint for the shit. Come see me when you realise that racism isn't learnt, it's inherited, consciously or unconsciously passed down through privilege. Once white people begin to admit that their race is the most violent and oppressive force of nature on earth, then we can talk. The decision to drop Munro has been met with divisive opinions, many criticising L'Oreal for seemingly championing diversity and then not allowing her to use the platform to speak about her lived experiences of discrimination. Pandora, what do you think about this story? Well, this is a great topic to have alongside our early mm. discussion because mm. it really feeds into the idea of free speech, doesn't it? And the, where those limitations are. When is it free speech and when is it slander and who decides what is what? Essentially, what Monroe is saying is exactly what we have talked about time and time again on the high-low. And as we often refer to Rennie Edo Lodge's book, Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race. Some of you may remember that we had Rennie on as an author special earlier in the summer. Um, it's what her whole book focuses on and it's obviously particularly potent after Charlottesville in short racism is structural and endemic to white privilege institutional racism shores up white privilege it doesn't mean you or I are necessarily individually racist Mm. but white power has long existed on the absence of power elsewhere but that being said I love that she didn't have a publicist Mm. because nowadays everyone has a sodding publicist yeah I have to say I really don't have an issue with how she expressed it particularly as I think it's really been taken out of context in a lot of reports as a kind of just out of the blue rant yeah, apropos true. of nothing. You know, it was on her Facebook page. Pandora and I aren't sure whether it was private or public Facebook page. I do think that that's slightly different. It was in response to a news event and it was something that was very upsetting and very enraging. And it didn't target individuals. It was off the back of her experience. It was emotionally charged and angry. But, you know, wouldn't you be emotionally charged and angry if your eyes were open to structural racism as as they are with her, paired with, I'm sure, personal discrimination that she's experienced throughout her life as a black woman and as a trans woman? I think she's allowed to be angry in her expression of her reaction. A double standard that people have been slightly perturbed by is the fact that Monroe called out systemic racism off the back of an international news incident wrote about it and was dropped by L'Oreal. But Cheryl Cole physically assaulted a black woman in 2003 and is still the kind of long-standing face of L'Oreal. Cheryl has got wind of this point being made and she has said that she's disappointed to be involved in the row. Boringly, Cheryl didn't actually tweet Munro because she does have a publicist. So therefore, rather than being fucking fuming, which she would have been... If she didn't, she's merely disappointed. Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I love that after she was fired, she just thought, well, that's fucking it. 
I'm going to make a comment about Cheryl as well. They're all coming down with me. But I get it. She was furious. And again, probably not the most diplomatic uh, response, but I can see why she made that point about Cheryl. Because as you say, a lot of people have made that point. Mm. Are you surprised that L'Oreal fired her? No. Um, I think white people still don't understand that black people can't be racist towards Mm -hmm. us. I didn't quite understand that admittedly myself until I read Rennie's book Um, and it's such a fundamental thing to have to get your head around before we can move forward with the conversations around racism and black oppression Um, I still think that structurally systemically culturally either unconsciously or consciously black people are stereotyped as being angry and dangerous and I still think that means again maybe not individually but societally we don't listen to what they have to say and we write them off or we drop them from campaigns because we think of them as being um, irrational and uncontained and uncontrolled. Um, The irony is she was meant to be this kind of bastion of diversity, but it's as if we sort of only wanted a tiny bit of digestible diversity. We wanted it to be sort of silent diversity that looks good um, and that makes everything seem like a sort of happy, sexy Benetton advert, but not diversity that tells uncomfortable truths that we don't like confronting. I think that's a really good point that you make and also when L'Oreal hired her they will have known that this is what she's like this will not have been her first rodeo as she says herself Mm. she's an activist, she's probably spoken like this a lot but I'm not surprised L'Oreal fired her I'm afraid and I I reckon it went something like you're L'Oreal, you are no doubt governed by a lot of rich white men who would have been pretty narked by this point Mm. you're L'Oreal who sells to lots and lots of white faces, you're L'Oreal who needs to keep the waters calm because you're a business, you're a corporation and it's sad because the more I've about her the more I think she'd be such a worthy ambassador she speaks so much truth and you know clearly L'Oreal agreed as they hired her in the first place in an interview with the Guardian she shared that her mum who is white was annoyed with her comments that was an awful conversation she says I'm half white my mum thought I was lumping her in with everyone but this isn't about individuals to understand my point you have to take yourself out of the conversation it's Mm. not about you and truly think about society structurally economically as a whole that's exactly what as a brand ambassador she should have posted in the first place but then it's that old argument again isn't it of whether it's it's her job to educate us you know does she have to streamline her anger so all the subtleties and nuances of racism are explained to white people to make sure they don't get upset and offended. I think she's allowed to express herself how she wants, especially if what I read is true, that it was on her Facebook page, probably to her friends and probably in a sphere where her ambassador hat wasn't on. Someone else will hire her and we'll be hearing a lot more from her, I'm sure. And they'll be lucky to hire her because actually what L'Oreal had an opportunity there to show instead of box-ticking diversity, to show that they really embrace diversity um, and the realities of the world we live in and the realities of the oppression that these people face. What the most amazing celebratory thing they could have done would have been to not drop her. But that's an opportunity missed for them. time for ask the hilo thank you so much for all your questions as ever you can always email us with feedback thoughts um questions for this section dilemmas on the hilo show at gmail.com hi pandora and dolly my name is sid i'm a comedian in la and i need your sage advice first thank you for getting me through those long drives to auditions in santa monica When one doesn't go well, and I know I have your podcast to listen to on the drive back, I feel like it wasn't such a waste. Okay, here's my problem. I've chosen an insane career path and it's starting to make me miserable. I perform weekly at a big theatre in LA and have a few things going on career-wise right now, but my anxiety is at an all-time high and I constantly think about quitting and moving to Paris. I'm a crazy romantic and I keep thinking, oh yeah, you'll be happy in Paris writing and working at a restaurant. I don't even speak French. I have a nice boyfriend here that I live with and I'm giving the poor guy a heart attack with how much I talk about it. (laughs) Do you two ever romanticise a new life even when you know it wouldn't be as great as you imagine how do you ground yourself and convince yourself it's all going to be all right i've never even been to france please tell me it's not that great or tell me it's great and i should go okay well i love you both and you're my heroes hope you have the best day sid i love how much you're romanticizing what is an incredibly unfriendly city where no one will speak (laughs) english to you um i love paris but i also actually hated a bit when i have to go 
for work because it is hella inhospitable and I think you might get a nasty shock if you did move there from LA but I love that you know you've got the romance You've got the dreams. Mm-hmm. Dolly, she sounds a bit like you. I'm just obsessed with this woman. I got this email and I sent it to Pandora. I was like, I really think that in another life I'd be living in LA just chewing the fat with Sid over a green juice. I just love, I've never even been to France. I know, she's tell me it's so not great. Funny. Sid, I, I think her. you've got to go. I think that my overarching feeling reading your email is that you're a very funny, very talented, very charming person. Please come watch you. I know how difficult it is being a comedian. It's even tougher being a female comedian I fucking dated a comedian. I have been to those shows. I've sat in those green rooms. It's difficult. I know how difficult it is. I think it's natural that with something that's so hard and also so sexist and so poorly paid um, and so lonely, as you said, my ex-boyfriend, most of his life was spent on the M25 kind of eating sandwiches in the car at 1am coming down from Fife or whatever. Um, It is a really difficult, lonely job i think you really have to love it to do it and perhaps the anxiety that you're feeling might be that you're having a bit of a wobble with it or that it's not suiting your life and it's totally fine to take a pause from it for a while as pandora said paris is quite it's a very expensive and yeah back to paris you might be projecting here and fairly (laughs) and fairly um difficult city to get by and I wouldn't go straight to Paris where you, especially when you don't speak French um, <laughs> I think you've got to go here on holiday though I love I that you're so today, today with your boyfriend but I think the other thing as well is that if you and I've definitely fallen foul of this if you have anxieties about your job and you're feeling a kind of ennui at home and you're feeling kind of bored of things that inner landscape you carry it everywhere it doesn't matter whether you're in Paris external landscape it doesn't matter where you are if you're not happy with who you are or how you feel inside no city is going to change that so I would try and fix that and my inkling would be that it's probably your job that's giving you anxiety so it might be a time to take a break from it or it might be a time to re-strategize but you've got two fans here in London so maybe you should come here and uh, crash in Pandora's spare room you heard the good lady except my spare is my home office so let's talk Sid before that happens <laughs> thank you so much um, for writing to us Sid thank you to everyone who emailed the high low if you'd like to get in touch it's the high low show at gmail.com sorry if we have not personally replied to your email the inbox is a battleground and we only sometimes have our armour you can also tweet us at the high low show please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on iTunes it will be we'll be so grateful if you do that it helps boost us and it also helps other people to find us thank you so much to Acast for letting us use your studio this week you gonna say bye bye Dolly Dolly out (laughs) dear god bye (laughs) bye